Welcome back, Crimeaholics. It's your host, Holly, and today is Monday, which means another Missing Monday case. If you're new to the podcast, Missing Mondays is a segment that was created to help keep missing persons' name and information in the media the best we can and to hopefully help aid in their return home. 90,000 people are missing in the U.S. at any given time, and while some are found alive or deceased, the majority are still missing today. Unfortunately, sometimes these Missing Monday cases are shorter than what we would like to share, and that's due to information being so limited on some of these cases. But despite the amount of information, we believe it is so important to share because someone, somewhere, knows something. Today's Missing Monday case is on the disappearance of Peggy McGuire. Peggy McGuire grew up in a small town called Eufaula, Oklahoma, and it is located in McIntosh County and is a cute little town that is filled with rich native heritage and has a variety of sporting and leisure events. And this community is a lakeside community that draws tourists in during the summer with lots to offer, including boating, fishing, wakeboarding, swimming, and camping. And Peggy McGuire embraced the outdoors. She absolutely loved to go hunting and fishing and camping. She was described to be a country girl through and through, which that country lifestyle is what attracted her to her high school sweetheart, Thomas McIntosh, during Peggy's sophomore year of high school. But Peggy's friends and family were not impressed with Thomas. According to Elizabeth Leeper, who was not only Peggy's best friend, but also her cousin, she stated that Thomas was really awkward, kind of rude, and not very sociable, which was polar opposites from Peggy. Not only that, but Peggy's mother, Betty Davis, describes him in an interview with Crime Watch Daily as an extremely jealous boyfriend. He did not like Peggy talking to other boys, and when he was hit with that jealousy bug, he would act absolutely crazy, and even went as far as smashing out windows on Peggy's cars on more than one occasion. Elizabeth also described a time that Peggy and Thomas returned to the school after lunch and Peggy's nose was bleeding. She approached Elizabeth and asked her to take her to the ER. While Elizabeth had Peggy alone away from Thomas, she was able to talk her into telling her what exactly happened. Peggy told her that during an argument, Thomas took a pistol out and backhanded her with the back end of the pistol. And let me remind you, they are young teenagers while all of this abuse first started, and unfortunately, the abuse continued to escalate. And it escalated so much that in April of 2006, Peggy actually filed for a protective order against Thomas McIntosh. But somehow, Thomas always smooth-talked Peggy to come back, and she always did. On one of the occasions where the pair got back together, Peggy became pregnant with their child, which ended up being a baby boy that they named Ethan. 
And Peggy was absolutely head over heels in love with Ethan and in love with being a mother. She did everything she could to make sure that Ethan was taken care of and had a good, stable life. When Thomas got offered a job in Indiana, Peggy saw this as an opportunity to start somewhere fresh with her family. She had really big hopes that this would be a big new chapter in their story and that it would be a good one, but that wasn't the case. In a fit of rage, Thomas ended up strangling Peggy in front of their son. At this point, Peggy had enough. It seems like something within her finally clicked and realized that this is not okay and that she needed to get away from this situation to protect not only herself, but her son Ethan too. When she returned from Indiana, Peggy decided to press charges against Thomas, but for some reason she ended up dropping those charges. And not only did she decide to drop the charges, but she also decided to move back in with Thomas. But this time they were going to live together as friends and for the sake of their son. Nothing more and nothing romantic. Peggy had also decided what she wanted to do with her future, and she decided that becoming a nurse would set herself up to be successful for the sake of Ethan and herself. After graduating college, she began working at a nursing home, and she began dating again. Finally, she was ready to be free of Thomas and decided that she was going to use the upcoming weekend to move her things from her home into her mother's apartment. On Monday, November 16th, 2015, Peggy got off work after working a double shift at the nursing home and headed to pick up Ethan so that she could take him to school. After dropping her son off at school, she calls her stepfather, Donnie, on the phone for just a quick chat. Before hanging up the phone, she tells him she loves him and that she will see him later. But later never comes. Later that day, Betty, Peggy's mother, gives her a call and her phone goes to voicemail. The following day, the same thing happens to her best friend, Elizabeth, but this actually didn't surprise Elizabeth. What Elizabeth knew that the rest of the family didn't is that a man that Peggy had been talking to named Richard was coming to Oklahoma from Texas. She even told Elizabeth not to call her on that Tuesday because she was going to be busy with Richard. But as the calls and the messages went unanswered, people closest to Peggy began getting concerned. Elizabeth reached out with messages and told her that there are people that are concerned and are looking for her and just to send her a text back so that she knew that she was okay and everything was all right. With the feeling that something isn't right, Elizabeth decided to go to the home of Peggy and Thomas, and she found that none of her personal items were there. According to Elizabeth, things like her hairbrush was gone, her nurse's bag was gone that contained all of her work items, and her shoes were gone. Also notably missing was Peggy's 2012 Toyota Tundra. Elizabeth thought that maybe Peggy was at Ethan's school waiting for him to get out. Peggy was always the one to pick up Ethan from school, so she went directly to the school expecting to see Peggy's truck in the pickup line. Instead, what she saw was Thomas there to pick up Ethan, which this was a huge red flag for her because nobody ever picked up Ethan other than Peggy and certainly not Thomas. 
Elizabeth called Betty and told her that she needed to call the cops. Something wasn't right. Thomas was there picking up Ethan. Peggy wasn't answering any texts or calls, and she was supposed to be meeting up with Richard. Elizabeth was able to track down Richard's telephone number, and she gave him a call only to learn that he actually was unable to come up to Oklahoma and had to stay back in Texas for whatever reason. At this point, people closest to Peggy were getting extremely panicked. Betty Davis reported her daughter missing to the McIntosh Sheriff's Department, but the family wasn't going to wait around for authorities to begin their search. They started scouring the area, looking for any sign of Peggy or her whereabouts, and they were the ones to find Peggy's Toyota Tundra two days later abandoned in a parking lot of a place called T&J's Ice House. T&J's is a small hole-in-the-wall bar that is located in a rural area but isn't too far from where Peggy and Thomas had lived. It was also a place that Peggy wasn't known to frequent, and thankfully for the family, they spotted a sign outside of the bar stating that the property was under surveillance. What they found on the footage was not what they had expected. The truck was dropped off at the bar early Tuesday morning, November 17th, sometime around 5 a.m., and a male individual got out of the truck and walks away. Unfortunately, it was too dark and too rainy to make out any distinct features on the individual, but Peggy's family say they know in their hearts who that person walking away from Peggy's abandoned truck is, and that person is Thomas McIntosh. They say that the way that the person is walking, the way the person puts their hands inside of their pockets once they exit out of the truck, looked exactly like Thomas's mannerisms. When Thomas gets wind that Peggy's truck was found at the bar, he heads down there to meet with sheriffs. While there, Thomas tells authorities he believes that Peggy decided to run off. Again, her family have a lot to say about that. There is absolutely no way that Peggy would run off leaving behind her son that she loved so much. Not only that, but Peggy finally landed her dream job of a nurse at a nursing home and she was enjoying life. Things were going really well. But a huge bombshell would drop when little Ethan has something to say. Ethan tells some of Peggy's family that earlier in the day that his daddy had taken him by Peggy's truck abandoned at the bar, and his daddy told him that mommy had run off with another man and that is where she had left her truck. Again, this took place before Peggy's family even found the missing truck. But despite all this, Thomas McIntosh was never named a suspect or even a person of interest in her disappearance. Many also believe that this is due to the fact that the McIntosh family are very well known and established within the McIntosh County. At the beginning, no formal interviews were conducted, no searches for Peggy, nor was there any search warrants issued to access any of her cell phone data. Finally, after two weeks of seemingly not doing anything for the case, the McIntosh Sheriff's Department requests the help from the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigations. Jenny Verdon, who was a special agent for the OSBI, took charge of Peggy's case and began looking at all of the limited evidence that they had. 
She instantly felt that this was a foul play situation due to Peggy's truck being dropped off at such an odd location in the early morning hours of November 16th. Though they couldn't make out many details of the individual who exited the truck, they did feel that it was significant that this bar's location was not far from where Thomas and individuals within his family lived. The OSBI got in touch with that man, Richard, where they began piecing together Peggy's timeline of events on November 15th when she was last positively seen dropping off her son at school. After dropping off Ethan at school, Richard and Peggy spoke over the phone where she told him that she was back at her home making beef jerky. To Richard's best memory, that conversation took place sometime around 10 a.m., and it is believed that it is the last time she was positively heard from by anyone. Richard also states that while on the phone with Peggy, he ended up getting another phone call, which he had to take the call, so the two of them got off the phone, and when he was finished with that call, he tried to call Peggy back on her phone, but it went straight to voicemail. And it seems that Peggy's phone was never powered back on again. The OSBI were able to pull the phone records for both Peggy and Thomas's cell phones to see where their phones were pinging at on that morning that Peggy was last seen. During that morning, it shows that both Thomas and Peggy's phones pinged within close proximity of their home, if not inside their home. Looking for any answers about Thomas or Peggy's movements, they asked the neighbors if they had seen anything on that day. And to their surprise, the neighbors did in fact see something that seemed off to them. The area where Peggy and Thomas lived was a lot of farmlands and large acres of property, so Thomas had heavy equipment that he used to work on his own property. On that day, neighbors saw Thomas sometime just before noon driving his tractor that had a front-end bucket on it. Now, this wasn't unusual because, again, he worked on his property with this heavy equipment. But what caught the neighbors' attention was the fact that Thomas was driving the tractor with the front bucket raised up in the air, which normally any other time that he would drive by, he would be driving with it in the lower position. But on this day, not only was the bucket raised in the air, but he was also driving fairly quickly instead of at his normal slow pace. With the news of Peggy being missing, the neighbors believed that Peggy had to have been inside of that bucket, and that is why it was raised up. OSBI did search the tractor that belonged to Thomas, and inside the bucket they saw what appeared to be small amounts of either blood or rust within the bucket. But according to the Crime Watch Daily report, it was hard to tell due to time, weather, and where. Again, before the OSBI was even brought in and searches even really conducted, Two weeks had passed that is precious time that was lost that the McIntosh Sheriff's Department could have used to search the property. The search intensified when the OSBI obtained search warrants for the property, the home, their cars, and more. Drones, helicopters, and cadaver dogs were brought in to search for Peggy. And they scoured up to 80 acres of land. 
Upon searching the house, authorities did find small amounts of blood in various different locations. Blood was found on the couch, a pair of rubber gloves, and a utility bucket. But the samples were so degraded that they were unable to tell whether it was Peggy's blood, let alone whether the blood was either human or animal. Again, time had gone by, and it appeared to authorities that Thomas had cleaned the home. Thomas's attorney, however, states that there is absolutely no evidence to link Thomas to Peggy's disappearance, and that there is absolutely no evidence that Peggy was even harmed. He also states that Thomas was in fact using his tractor with the bucket raised, but the neighbor's timeline is grossly mistaken. According to the attorney, Thomas was using his tractor to move hay because of an upcoming storm, but this didn't take place on the Monday Peggy was last seen, nor was it the Tuesday after she was last seen. He claims that Thomas was using his tractor the Sunday before Peggy went missing. Not only that, but he says that their relationship wasn't abusive and that these are just essentially awful rumors that stirred up within the small town after Peggy went missing. He claims that the situation with Peggy's nose being broken while in high school is a made-up tale because there's no medical records to prove it. He also states to Crime Watch Daily that Peggy and Thomas were still living together because they were still in a relationship and that the relationship was more than platonic. And he also states that Thomas believed that Peggy was seeing other men because she would often be gone for long periods of time. Also, according to Thomas's attorney, little Ethan's story about them driving by his mom's truck before it was found was never actually told to anyone working the case or working directly with Ethan. So this story couldn't be corroborated. Thomas's attorney states that he has cooperated with anything and everything that the OSBI has asked him for. And he even helped search for Peggy. But Peggy's family still believes he's involved. Many closest to Peggy and those within the community that side with Peggy's family believe that what had happened that day was that Peggy was on the phone with Richard making plans, and when she got off the phone, something happened between Thomas and Peggy. Thomas, again, according to her family, was an extremely jealous guy. Did he hear her making plans of happiness with this other guy and got jealous and snapped? There are so many questions that are left unanswered. Since Peggy went missing, her family has been fighting for visitations for her son, Ethan. There is some differing reports on what exactly happened with that, but according to Fox 23, Betty filed a petition in January of 2016 for grandparents' rights. In the document, it also claims that Ethan could suffer physical and mental abuse at the hands of his father. I could not find any details on whether Betty won visitation rights or what exactly happened there, but in February of 2021, something really strange happened. In early February of last year, Ethan was 13 years old and was out doing chores on the family farm. He was operating a small tractor when he seemingly vanished. Yes, you heard that right. The son of a missing woman up and vanished himself. And what is crazy is later the tractor that he was using was found abandoned and no Ethan. Sounds oddly familiar, right? 
The local community came together and began searching for Ethan. Ethan was found the following day, 25 minutes from his home, and he was 20 miles from where his tractor was found abandoned. He was found very dehydrated and very cold. But here is what is so odd to me. Nothing about Ethan going missing has ever been released, or at least nothing that I could find. Did he somehow get lost? Did he wander off trying to find his mom or answers about what happened to his mom? What the hell happened to cause this boy not only to go missing, but to be 20 miles away from where his tractor was found abandoned? I have so many questions. Either way, Ethan going missing sparked renewed interest in his mom's case and has the community of Eufaula and the surrounding communities talking about her once more. Peggy McGuire was just 28 years old when she went missing on November 16, 2015. Today, Peggy is 35 years old. At the time of her disappearance, Peggy was five foot ten and weighed around one hundred and fifty to one hundred and sixty pounds. She had shoulder length wavy strawberry blonde hair and beautiful blue eyes. She has her ears pierced and has a scar on her right knee and has a lower back tattoo that has a horseshoe with stars and one four leaf clover with faded initials j n s if you or anyone you know has information on the disappearance of Peggy Ann McGuire, you are asked to call the McIntosh Sheriff's Office at 918-689-2526. Or you can call the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigations Office at 918-423-6672. There is also currently a $150,000 reward for any information leading to the discovery of Peggy. There is also a Facebook group that you can join to watch for updates on the case. Look on Facebook and search Bring Peggy Home. I will also have the link to the Facebook group linked in the description of this episode so you can easily join it and show support. Also, make sure you're a part of our private Facebook group. You can find us by searching Crimeaholics Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. In there, we share all information and pictures pertaining to the cases that we cover. Also, follow us on Crimeaholics.podcast on both Instagram and on TikTok. Crimeaholics, that is all for now. Until next time, be aware and take care. (laughs) 